1895, the state of Ohio had only two automobiles. And wouldn't you know it, they collided. <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows what kind of collision we're going to have in the days ahead. If you dare vote for a decree that God finds abominable and murderous, you will answer to him. God's curse is upon you. How dare you? How dare you? defy him. Strange women lying in ponds, distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. When is the time for justice? The time is now. I'm tired of waiting for incremental solutions that never make any increments and never bring solutions. So when is the time for justice? It's now. I said to every sinner, God broke the law for love. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. If the court in a nation is the highest authority, then you've found a God. If the people are the highest authority, then you've found another God. If, if there's no transcendent law governing over this nation or any other nation, then you've found another God. It's never too early to learn that the government is a greedy piglet that suckles on a taxpayer's teat until they have sore, chapped nipples. Take the guns first, go through due process second. Please clap. Just as the church has an obligation to be Christian, just as the family has an obligation to be Christian, just so the school has an obligation to be Christian, and the state, and your calling, and the school, every area of life must recognize Christ as Lord and Savior. Welcome to Cross and Crown Radio. We are an unapologetically Christian reconstructionist talk show for your edification and, of course, your enjoyment. Jesus Christ is the King, the King of Kings. There is no neutrality, no exile. There is no surrender. My name is Jason. We are back with another episode. Here with me tonight, I have Jordan and John. We're back. Howdy, howdy. You guys doing all right today? Doing good. You Not know too bad. It. Doing good. We, uh... This is episode number 11. I had to double check that before we hit the record button. I was like, wait, wait. Yeah, we took a little break last week. We were all very busy. Yeah. But uh, glad to be back in the saddle. Glad to be back with you. Season 2, episode 11. We really only have this episode and one more for season 2 before uh, we take another break and then come back for season 3. So just another reminder, a couple of things. We want to thank one of our sponsors, Telos Coffee Roasters. You can go to telloscoffeeroasters.com and get some really delicious coffee. Yummy. And uh, we're thankful to the to our friends there who have sent us some coffee to sip on and enjoy. Bringing the flavor. Yeah, it's, it's so good. It's, re- it's really good coffee. So just a reminder, you can go to their website, sign up for a subscription, and get some coffee delivered to you. It's, it's good stuff. Trust us. We would not lead you astray in that area. Delectable. John, you wouldn't either, because you're kind of a coffee guy anyway. It's legitimately good. Good. I was going to drink it because, yeah, free coffee, right? It's one of our sponsors, and I drink it. I was like, no, wait. 
I would drink this, even if it wasn't on free. I would pay for this. Well, if our listeners don't know, John is a coffee connoisseur in all senses of the word, in all senses of the phrase. How many senses are there? I don't know. That's okay. It, you get the point. John's just a bit of a renaissance man in general. He is a renaissance man. <laughs> in fact, just before we hit the record button, we were talking for a little while about heating and cooling units, which was, <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about that stuff, but I know you, you kind of fancy yourself in that stuff. Sure. Yeah. A little bit. Anyhow. Uh, yeah. Thank you listeners for tuning into us. Another episode. We want to cover tonight some really exciting things. Especially with Halloween coming up in just a few days, we're going to talk later about the issue of Halloween. What do we think about Halloween? What, what should Christians think? Uh, should we run for the hills? You know, it's all witchcraft. It's all magic. What do we do? How do we? How should we think? And we want to think biblically. We want to think covenantally. So we'll get into that in a little while, of course. But first, just kind of a, by way of an announcement, um, you probably have seen this already on social media. Um, But we've been working on a project, gentlemen, with our friend Dr. Joel McDermott and just trying to have somewhat of a clearinghouse, if you will, for for writing for other authors, uh, you know, people who want to contribute to the conversation, especially when it comes to applying biblical law, applying presuppositionalism and those things. And so we just recently launched lambsreign.com, lamb as in Jesus is the lamb and reign as in he is the king and rules and reigns over the nations. So, yeah, tell us, gentlemen, a little bit about what's why do we do that? What's the vision behind it? Where can they go to get connected? That sort of stuff. Well, we're definitely on Facebook. Just uh, search for us, Lambs Reign. I believe we're going to be one of the top hits on there. And as what you know, as as Jason was saying, it's a clearinghouse of people who are like minded. We, we want to be building the kingdom of God and. Uh, bringing forth ideas that maybe challenge the status quo, um, teach the the nations, teach churches. So there's going to be topics from theonomy to economics to culture to criminal justice to movies to music to just everything that we could possibly think of. Um, and applying all those things um, according to the law word of God. Absolutely. And it also has the promise of more authors to come you know it started out with with the four j's joel jason john and jordan (laughs) but we are sure to add more and so be looking for some new uh, authors being added to the blog role and um I think John, you're the one guy that hasn't released the uh, his first blog on. The, I know. On the I have. I have like yet. three that are really so choose close from to being one done. of them. <laughs> Let them fly. True. Uh, you, you can. Uh, I guess I, I can say this now. You can look forward to an article releasing soon on humility, especially in the context of theonomy. Why theonomists should be humble. So look forward to that. Nice. Yeah. And they go hand in hand. In fact. You have to have it. They got it. They have to go together. Absolutely, absolutely. It's not always easy, but it has to go together. Right. And with with that kind of said, like when we uh, launched this with the whole intention on you know like a kingdom focus, you know, kind of a common vision, if you will. Right. <clears throat> In a way, for us to to uh, truly press the crown rights of King Jesus into every area of life. One of the things that kind of came out of that, of course. Uh, was some stuff that happened recently with uh, a, a police officer uh, who is uh, 
no longer a police officer. He's not employed. And this is not the Botham Jean situation. No, this we, is another one in in Dallas Fort Worth area. Yeah, we just we just talked about this with Botham and that whole situation. Amber Geiger. Yeah, which happened over a year ago, but she was just convicted of murder. She's going to prison for ten years. Uh, so that was what an episode or two back. But yeah. now here we are again with the same situation um, happening with an incredible, <clears throat> unexpected, and shocking twist. I don't say that exaggerating in any way. I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. Just to kind of give you just a quick snippet of what happened. Basically, at 2.30 a.m., uh, a Fort Worth police officer shot 28-year-old Tatiana Jefferson in her home. Her 8-year-old nephew was there. Okay, note the timestamp on that, by the way. <laughs> 2.30 a.m. Uh, it's dark. Right. Right. Uh, apparently out doing a welfare check, doing a check... It and was a open door check. Somebody's had, well, a Tatiana ostensibly had left her front door open, but the screen door was closed. So it wasn't even like the door was just wide open all the way. The storm door was closed. Yeah. The door behind it was open. So her neighbor called the cops. Hmm. Don't be a busybody. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of proverbs about that. Yeah. The, so the cop comes. This is Aaron Dean. And. Suddenly, we have a situation where he shoots through the window and kills kills and, her. And you can see this on the body cam. This is all available for you to see. Yeah, he creeps around the back of the house, unlatches the gate, you know, spies through the window. I mean, th this type of situation—it's unbelievable. And he it, says, "Hands up!" Yeah, and then show me your hands. Shoots he never your announces hands. that he's police. He never announces who he is. Nothing. Yeah. So, like. Such a bizarre situation. Why are police officers creeping around <laughs> in the middle of the, in the middle of the night? Right. She actually would have been completely justified in firing upon him, yeah. an intruder on her property at two a.m. in the dark, creeping around in the dark in her backyard. And, I, and I'm just going to say because we kind of touched on it before, but if you don't think that's true, then you don't really care about biblical law, and you have elevated the police to a position of idolatry, right? Because this stuff. It's it's actually really close to the example in scripture. Like this is an yeah. intruder at night. At nighttime. With Exodus his gun 22. drawn, a deadly weapon wielded. Yeah. And if she would have had a weapon and shot back, then she would have had every right because he's creeping around the house. So anyway, th this whole situation blew up, of course. And it's yet again another Goring Ock situation where we have the police uh, who are obviously, you know, doing policing the way they shouldn't be doing. We could talk on another episode about what that what that looks like, but the reason I, we kind of wanted to bring this up is because Dr. Joel McDermott, a friend of ours who is is actually doing a debate right now in in Houston um, on on the biblical view of social justice. It's actually actually happening right now as we're recording, of course, um, and we hope to hear you know how that goes, and we certainly pray for him in that endeavor. But Joel McDermott released uh, the first article on Lamb's Reign. It was called Aaron Dean Police and God's Law. And, uh, and Jordan, you can f kind of fill in the gaps here, but basically uh, there was some things involving Aaron Dean that had taken place years before this incident. Yeah, completely unbeknownst to us, at least not in our memory, uh, years before Aaron Dean had been uh, a professing theonomic reconstructionist and sort of existed within our circles uh, in our uh, social media platforms and was a presence there and and would give commentary 
on various shootings, police shootings, incidents with his warped view of what the role of police should be. Uh, as you look at his comments in this article, he approximates some knowledge of biblical law, but then at key areas, he slips into his uh, power religion dynamic, essentially, right. where he's uh, elevating the role of police above what the common citizen can do, and where he's twisting certain uh, biblical principles, such as being in fear for your life, uh, the principle where there is a true accidental shooting where uh, the axe head flies off, not due to any kind of negligence or anything. It's just a pure accident, unlike intent intentionally shooting someone to death. Right. But using that scenario to say, well, you know, if if the person hasn't hated in the past, then it's it's justified. And so this this whole idea of uh, if if you don't uh, have uh, demonstrably or provable bad intentions, then you must assume that intentions were fine and that the intentions um, and that a murder cannot be established if there isn't the proof of uh, bad intention, mm -hmm. essentially. Right. Right. Absolutely. Now, one of the things I was really startling about this is not only was he sharing these ideas, these twisted ideas on police brutality and police power, but we warned him. And when I say we, I don't mean me personally, but like close friends of ours right. specifically warned him. Yes. The anonymous reconstructionist, not only like not a gentle warning, like at first gentle warnings, but then turned to confronting him, calling him to repent. Mm -hmm. of statist idolatry and sadly the, the kind of warnings that the, like the person did. doing the warnings was probably told to calm down right <laughs> right as if um, it was like a little too strong or something but at the end of the day and, obviously not yeah and you can see the article again on lambsrain.com you can see it aaron dean police and god's law the screenshots are there and it is it is it's disturbing <clears throat> because this authoritarian stuff is exactly why, in my estimation, we need Christian Reconstruction. Because in light of what you just said, John, about your next article coming out, there's a humility involved in God's law. Right. And this this top-down, uh, you mentioned it, power religion tactic uh, is what policing in America has become today. Oh, absolutely. Uh, shoot first, ask questions later. I just saw another video of a, a teenager who... Uh, was in the passenger seat. I don't. I don't know his name. I don't even. Can't even tell you right now. I don't remember where this was. But I watched the video. It was very disturbing. He climbs a fence and takes about eight steps, and the cop shoots him in the back of the head. He's dead. Yeah. And, what and, are we doing? The police department said that they went according to procedure. Right. Meaning He's, that police department's procedure is to shoot people in the back. A sixteen-year-old running. And he feared for, you know, talk about fear. This kid had You know fear. what the response is going to be is he shouldn't have ran. Well, but I, but I think the Christian response is what is actually worthy of a death penalty? Right. Yep. <laughs> is he worthy of the death penalty in that case? Is he actually a clear and present danger? No, he's not. Where's, not at all. And where's police investigation? Let's go find out where he lives. And if you need to bring him before a judge and a jury because he committed some sort of crime and not a crime out of thin air, by the way, but you know, that's where we're at in our nation, then you go that route. You don't become there. There's no due process that that young kid did not get 
due process. This is exactly the kind of philosophy that Aaron Dean exemplified in the screenshots when you read them. He displays this belief in this principle that an officer merely thinking himself in danger means that police are justified in using lethal force because he's talking about this Walter Scott shooting, this famous one in North Carolina where yep. it's on video. The guy's like literally just running away and you see the officer just bang, 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 shoots him in the back I remember dead. Yeah. And uh, and and uh, Dean says, well, it, something to the effect of I, I tend to think this this could be murder unless unless what he says, the the uh, cop thought the guy had a taser, his taser, because apparently he had a taser at some point and thought himself in danger. So the key being he thinks himself in danger. That's the standard. That's the litmus test to whether you can execute someone. The personal yeah. delusions of cowards yeah. yes. now justifies anything. It, right. it's, it's, All they have to say is, after the fact, I feared for my life. Right. It's absurd. Now, now, if you're going to kill someone, you do need to be in fear for, for your life. But that's not all that needs to be in place. There has to be some objective standards that are also in place, like a credible... Uh, and reasonable expectation of being in fear for your life, such as if a person is pointing a deadly weapon at you, such as if somebody breaks into your house in the middle of the night, uh, you know, if somebody's charging you or is hitting you or is uttering death threats, any of those things, none of those things happened in the case of Aaron Dean and, and his murder and, of and Tatiana these, Jefferson. Yeah, say, same situation. You, you, we don't suspend all faculties of judgment in, in lieu of some perceived threat. And this is what, this is, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm going to get myself into some trouble here, but you can <clears throat> do it, Pastor. You can send your hate mail if you want. But look, the reality is the cop worship in our nation is a huge idol. And this is, and it's kind of fr funny because there's been this like increase in PR campaigns with police officers, you know, come to Chick-fil-A and have, you know, and, and build Legos with the cops while we eat together. And well, why does this need to happen? Well, because they're trying to, uh, you know, ward off this veneer of um, abuse and tyranny and trying to give you a pill that's not so hard to swallow. Look, we're people too, which they are people too. I get that. But the whole system is built on tyranny and overreach um, in the moment, executive decision, your judge, jury and executioner. But this whole concept of, you know, fearing for your life um, I'm pretty sure Miss Jefferson now fe feared for her life. Absolutely. And she was on her property, which is the key, as John mentioned yeah. earlier. In this situation, they also, the police, uh, interviewed, quote unquote, what interrogated an eight-year-old boy, mm -hmm. the boy who had just seen his aunt die in front of his eyes. Can't think of a more traumatic event for an eight-year-old to witness. Uh, and before his family was there, before a lawyer was present, before anybody was there with him, they questioned this boy and they got from him that he had allegedly, because we can't take this testimony uh, from a grain of salt, or we have to take this testimony with a grain of salt, allegedly saw his aunt take a gun and point it out the window. Um, now... She's absolutely entitled to do that. It's a good, responsible thing for her to do. If she's 2.30 at night, someone's broken in, into her yard and is creeping around, that's a that's a very normal thing to do. Yeah. Uh, now, she let's say, let's say like the worst case scenario, she actually was pointing it out the window. 
the shooting is still not justified. We talked about objective uh, measures of being in fear for your life. That's still predicated on the fact that you're not the trespasser mm-hmm. on someone else's property. Yep. You in in, in scripture we talked about uh, uh, a couple episodes about these. What is required in in scripture? The self defense uh, with a thief at night is when someone is breaking into your house. If somebody was breaking into that cop's house and the situation was revert was reversed and someone's pointing a gun at him, then he could have shot them. But not when he's infringing on someone else's property. That whole self-defense thing goes out the window. You're yeah. on someone else's property with your gun drawn and you're not sure who's inside. You haven't even announced yourself. So yeah. we can't we can't take little principles of biblical law in isolation and crudely apply them in a in a you know and if you don't think that's, that's a, a wrong way yeah. to come to this conclusion that he, oh, well, she did have a deadly weapon, therefore it's justified. Yes. Even, not that we know that she did. Yes. Amen to that. In fact, uh, if you don't think cop worship is a problem, then why are they above the law in every sense of the word? And these situations prove it every single time. A gun or no gun, you're on their property. Well, there was a call then you didn't follow procedure at all. Now, let's let's if some if if a police officer has pulled you over and um and we've seen these kinds of things happen before where the, either the person doesn't comply and they pull out their guns, get out of the car, get out of the car. Um if that person then perceives a threat, oh he's pointing a deadly weapon and shoots the cop who's who's uh, pointing a deadly weapon at him for for no good reason, mm-hmm. then that person will always be guilty of murdering if they murder right. the cop every time but reverse that. Yep. How many times do the police officers get away with shooting? Oh, he wasn't complying. That's not the standard by which we can use to say you can kill someone. Right. The, the, the hotel shooting in Arizona, I think it was in Daniel Arizona. Shaver. Yeah. It's, it's sickening to watch. Same thing. I mean, it, it's happening all the time. High stakes game of, of twister. Well, it's, it's partiality. It is. I mean, Absolutely. It's the sin of partiality. There's one rule for the citizen and one rule for the super citizen police officer. Right. Well, and this is a whole, it's a whole mess because one of the things uh, I wrote a follow-up article to this called Discovering Light, Hiding Behind Reputation. And one of the things we received uh, on lambsrain.com was this comment, you know, you are putting the members of this church in danger. Please remove the name. Let's get into that a little bit. Because what? Where's the real danger, though? What? Who's really in danger? And what? And you know why? Why is it that it's important to to name the fact that, as far as we know, right, Jordan? Uh, 2014 was the last time we had uh, confirmation that he was a part of this church. We don't know, you know, outside of that. But we and others, some friends of ours, we even contacted the church to find out. Hey, is Mr. Dean a member at your church? We're not getting any response. Joel actually got something uh, where the guy basically didn't, um, he didn't, uh, he, he contacted Joel to ask, ask us to remove the name. Um, there was no concern for the victim. There was no, nothing about that. Right. And of course, Joel asked whether Mr. Dean was still a member and the staff member declined to, to answer the question. Hmm. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing here is that in those communications, there was no concern over the victim. There was no expression of concern over what Dean did. It was just, hey, you're putting us at, uh, it, you're, you're, what, what do you say? 
You're it's putting like, us. Yeah, you're putting this church in danger. Right. And and there's no cognizance when they say that of this principle in the New Testament of Paul identifying dangerous people in congregations in those days and calling them out and no and being very clear about where they're from. Right. Because the the key thing is when a dangerous person is at loose and Aaron Dean is out on. He's on, on bail. bail. Yep. He's a dangerous killer who's out on and and ostensibly has access to churches and and, and it's incumbent upon people to alert that this guy is on the loose, not try to suppress because of now. Now, when they say, oh, what about safety? Well, who's safety? Because we do have a verified killer on the loose. So maybe we should be worried about the, <laughs> yeah. that and the safety of those people who he's in contact with yeah. rather than uh, trying to suppress it. Well, go ahead, John. Were you gonna say I, I was I was going to say what what is this what is this really about? I don't think it's really about physical safety. I think it's about reputation. Yep, yep, I agree. And that's kind of what you can read the article. We'll link it. Um, but I think you're exactly right. I think that's the problem. That's why we don't speak out on these issues because of pietism, because of statism, things like that. I think it is it's reputation, and it's using it's this pattern of using quote safety or a self serving view of safety. Uh, Rather than righteous, rather than than aiming at actual righteousness, and this is a, another uh, culture in in the police uh, worship uh, milieu that we have. Yeah, is this idea that oh, just stay safe, stay safe, do whatever's safe, get home when you're that the main thing is to get home at the end of the night, stay safe, stay safe, stay safe. You know, it, safety can be a good thing, and you know, we we can appreciate <laughs> being safe at times, but not at the expense of righteousness. Well, sure, I mean that that's the the basic concept like if if you're going to be a police officer your safety is important but what should be more important is service to others and protecting others right but they don't even have a legal obligation to protect people people should, people should know that yeah they, they <laughs> that, don't that's a fact they have no legal obligation to protect you whatsoever and and, and so i it's a really frustrating situation because i don't wish them any physical harm at all but the priorities are so completely out of whack. It was, they go out every day with their number one priority is protecting themselves. And that's yeah. the opposite of how these things should work. And, and that's if what, you're going to have so much power and authority over other people, you need to be serving them selflessly. And and that's exactly what Aaron, no, not serving them selflessly, but Aaron, that was Aaron Dean's perspective of his own safety first. Shooting her, that figure in the window, was what would keep him safe first. And he mm -hmm. wasn't thinking about, well, biblical law, I'm on someone's property i can't just shoot someone i don't they don't know i don't know who they are or you know what's going on you know safety is important but again not at the expense of righteousness right exactly yeah well before we come to the break here in a, in a couple minutes the reality is what we're arguing for especially is this is an opportunity for the church of jesus christ to stand up and we haven't done it we didn't do it with um philando castile we didn't do it with uh, walter scott right that was his name uh Eric Garner, you know, we didn't, we're not doing it with these, with these people, these, uh, men who are finding themselves at the end of a, a nine millimeter bullet because of a cop who's decided he can take it into his own hands to, to murder them. And we have churches who would rather hide behind reputation, rather hide in the dark when we can come forward and we can say, look, this is what God's law teaches. My voice is a little <clears throat> a little off so pardon That's me okay. uh, <laughs> we'll bear with you pardon that 
But this is an opportunity to stand on the word of God and say, this is how God's law works. Here's a case law. This is the Goring Ox situation. Um, we can stand up boldly and say, you know, the law of the Lord is perfect. Psalm 19 tells us it is. And we can, we can um, not only empathize, there's a word for you, with somebody who has been unjustly either murdered or taken advantage of or you know stolen from, yada, yada, any of those things, we can go to them and say, you know, this is awful. You're on the receiving end of tyranny. And yeah. God's law hates tyranny. Right. And so... And respects life and has a real care for life, like yeah. you mentioned with the Goring Ox. With Aaron Dean, he was reckless towards human life, like the owner of that ox. And the Dallas-Fort mm -hmm. Worth Police Department, to the extent that they keep on sending out these officers who keep on killing people without taking the measures to stop that, like real significant measures yeah. to to stop that, they're now guilty of being the owner that keeps sending out that ox that's been known to go in the past. Yeah, and I'm gonna, I would argue, and this is maybe a whole another different rabbit trail we don't want to get into, but I would argue as well that you sitting down and having you know, a three hour training with your officers on how to not do that isn't going to do right. the trick. No, to people who have already shown themselves uh, willing to do this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. that's not going to cut it. It's it, that's why it's called systemic injustice. <laughs> it's built into it. Yeah, <laughs> I, the, this isn't going to get fixed overnight, uh, obviously. Um, but as you said, it's systemic, it's institutional. It's built into the very fabric of their culture, of its institutionalism as a government-funded bureaucracy. This is a very similar problem as the IRS or the FDA yeah. or, or the EPA. All these different government bureaucracies have no real accountability. The problem is, is that these other government agencies aren't walking around neighborhoods patrolling it with firearms. Right, right. So that's that's the issue, is that the United States police departments as a whole, the, the just the police institution in the United States is dangerous because yeah. it is every bit as incompetent and every bit as of lacking any sort of accountability as an institution like the Department of Education or the IRS, but they're more likely to shoot you. Yep. Yeah. So we need to abolish it and privatize it. And replace it, is, right. And just replace it. We need to abolish this entire system. We still can have security and investigations. We're not talking about getting rid of the civil government, but this whole system is mm -hmm. corrupt from yeah. the bottom to the top. Having a court and a court's officers uh, and a sheriff, yeah. you know, as an officer of the court, enforcing the court is 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 godly and and it within the scope right. of biblical it's principles. very similar to the yep. debates on education people want to reform education no we want to abolish that entire system and replace it yeah yeah there's a better way god's law is certainly a better way all right well that said uh good discussion gentlemen again you can go to uh, lambsrain.com. You can read those articles, more articles to come. Please do. Uh, you can plug your email in to also be notified when these things go live. We'll deliver it straight to your inbox. So check that, check that out. Also find us on Facebook. Uh, thank you all for listening. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about Halloween, a little bit of witchcraft, a little bit of that. Ooh. It's going to get interesting. Spooky. It is spooky. <laughs> nice job. We'll be right back in a minute.
themselves upon his stay. Oh, tell me why do the heathen nations rage? The God of heaven laughs at them, he laughs them all to scorn. I've set my king on Presenting Telos Coffee Roasters, the official coffee of Cross and Crown Radio. Telos exclusively chooses specialty-grade coffee to derive the highest flavor potential from beans sourced all over the world, culminating in deliciously roasted coffee for your enjoyment. Visit our website at www.telloscoffeeroasters.com to peruse an array of delightful blends or even purchase a subscription. Telos Coffee, where it's our purpose to deliver coffee you'll enjoy. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Amen. First Corinthians 15, 50 through 55. Amen. That is, that's so death post mel too. Amen. I love that passage. Just mocking death. Mocking death. You know, Colossians 2, 15 says he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame mm-hmm. by triumphing over them in him. It's as if the New Testament is like favorable toward Christ's kingdom uh, or something like uh, and, that. And not fearful. <laughs> not, right. not fearful at all. Taunting yes. death, literally. Taunting it. Amen. Good deal. Welcome back to Crossing Crown Radio. This is our second segment. And just before we kind of dig into this issue of Halloween, you know, we are going to offer some disclaimers and some things, uh, you know, it. We all are readily, you know, admitting that there is a level of private judgment required for people. There is, you know, there are some boundaries we want to consider. But I, before we get into that, though, I just want to give you, you, the listener, just a couple of resources. One, pick up a copy of Dr. Gary North's book, Unholy Spirits. I have it in front of me. I'm going to read it in just a second. The whole, not, bo- the whole book. Not the whole book, sorry. It's <laughs> so not that Settle thing. in, listeners. Settle in. hundred pages. 400 <laughs> some pages. Uh, it's going to be a long night. No, uh, I recommend you get that. You can get it. Go to GaryNorth.com. You can find it for free. There's a PDF. Just Google it. Um, you'll find it. Grandpa Excellent. Gary. We love you, Gary. We do indeed. Excellent book. Um, I I had thumbed through it quite a bit. Uh, just some some I was interested in some of his views on alchemy. There's a lot of those things tied to it with Gnosticism, and so he has he talks about that as well. But that's one resource. Another one is uh, James Jordan, an article concerning Halloween. All these we will link on Facebook in the notes, so you'll be, you'll be able to find them. 
And then another one, which is so good. John and I were just talking earlier. Yeah, it is excellent. It, this is a an amazing podcast by a friend of ours, Susanna Roundtree. Uh, I just Roundtree. Roundtree. Yeah, I was right. <laughs> For a second, I second guessed it. Out of the outback. Also from yeah. Down Under. We're always quoting these Australians yes. on the show. I don't know what they're... Something's <laughs> going on Down Under. I don't know. Anyway, they, there's uh, on the Monstrous Regiment podcast on Reconstructionist Radio, they did a uh, podcast, well, she did, called Christian Witchcraft and Other Ways Magic Pervades the Church. Wow. And it's so good. It's it's about an hour, a little less than an hour. Got to go listen to that. Yeah, it's very good. And um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some things that she mentioned on that. Uh, that we can pull from on this on this issue of Halloween, but really broadly speaking, I just kind of want to like I want to read this um, paragraph, not the whole book, from Doctor North's book, just to kind of let this simmer as we get into the discussion. Of course, he says man is finite and man is operating under a curse because of his ethical rebellion. The best and the most that man can and should hope for is the abolition of the effects of his rebellion. He can legitimately hope to become perfectly human after the day of judgment when the manifestation of the new heavens and the new earth is made complete. But until then, he must content himself with the working out in daily life of the principles of biblical law. He must content himself with being finite. He must understand that he can never be more than human, although the, pro- the progressive sanctifying of regenerated men and the society that they gradually construct is God's down payment, that's an earnest, of the coming day of restoration. In short, man is human, his world is under limits, and finitude is with us forever. The foundation of restoration is therefore ethical regeneration, the new heart which God promises his people. And he quotes Jeremiah 31 and Hebrews 8 and 10. Our problem as men is not our finitude, for we are created beings. Our problem is moral, for we are rebellious creatures. And then he goes on, but one thing he says, this next sentence is actually the beginning of the next paragraph. He says, the society of Satan promises self-transcendence in every area of life. So the reason I kind of wanted to read that is just to kind of set the parameters for this discussion, because the parameters are simple. We're creatures. We're made in God's image. Um, we, he's the transcendent creator. We are subordinate to him and his covenantal authority. Um, there's ethics required. This is the five point covenant model, right? Um, there are sanctions attached to the obedience or disobedience to those requirements. And of course there is a game plan where history is headed, that sort of thing. So when we come to the issue of Halloween and kind of the broader Christian thinking on, on it, we need to remember those presuppositions. We have yeah. to remember the finitude. We have to remember Satan's goal is always to try to give us self-transcendence, something we can't have. But men and women are always going to look for ways to escape that. They're, they're revolting against maturity, to quote a great book title. <laughs> they're, they're going to push against the grain. And one of the ways they do that, do that is through magic, through um, whether it be sat- Satanism, the occult, things like that. So that's kind of the biblical alchemy. worldview. Yeah, alchemy, Gnosticism, the, the, you know, the secret knowledge. That's why it's always knowledge, right? You need, you need to be the insider information because knowledge then becomes the power when 
ethics are the power. You know, you can't talk about sin and transgression and covenant and law. Those are fixed, you know, ancient biblical paradigms. You have to speak in other terms. Right. Terms of experience, those things. I completely agree, Dr. Garwin. I think that's a very uh, astute observation. I also come at this from, you know, it's Halloween. We think of kids trick-or-treating. Oh, what are we going to do? Are we going to go <laughs> trick-or-treating? Are we not going to go trick-or-treating? And what if we accidentally participate in something we don't want to participate in? And what message are we going These are all actually good questions. But just in general, the way that I come about this topic is the same way I come at it for Christmas, the same way I come at it for Easter. Uh, I have a general disposition because, you know, there's these arguments. Well, the pagans created Easter first and the Christians just changed it later. And then other people are saying, no, no, the Christians created it first and the pagans copied it. And same with Christmas, right? There's this yeah. war of what happened. And essentially, I don't care because the Christian faith is all, always about taking these things that man means for evil and turning it into something that glorifies God. I mean, look at the cross. The mm -hmm. cross was a terrifying symbol of Roman hegemony and power they used it as a symbol it was what they executed all their enemies on don't mess with us we're rome yeah we're the boss you mess with us we're gonna hang you on this cross it's gonna be terrible so be be afraid what happened jesus christ dies on the cross we redeem this symbol of death and now it's christ's conquering death yeah so just as general disposition whether it's halloween easter uh whether it's christmas I always have this disposition of wanting to take it over right. to, to, to redefine it according to Christian victory. No, you're absolutely right. I think that's an excellent point. Like we like the number one symbol of our faith is a symbol of execution and torture <laughs> invented by an utterly wicked pagan society. Right. And we have completely taken it over. And now we it use, is ours. We yeah. use it to taunt death. It does. You know, we As do. We read that verse in the intro. So you're right. You know, in these conversations about the pagan origins of Halloween and pagan origins of Easter, uh, Easter and Christmas and should you have a Christmas tree, you know, all these different things, um, you, you know, you end up trading articles back and forth with people. Mm -hmm. and, and, <laughs> and and I'm not going to say they're all created equal. I don't think they are. Right, right. You know, uh, I don't really care frankly what, what your like agree, yeah. dot wordpress article from your uncle's second cousin sends you about <laughs> why christmas trees are evil or something i don't really care and, and for the same reason that you said jordan is that we believe that god conquers all yeah. we believe that jesus christ wins uh, we believe that at the end the last enemy death is going to be conquered Right. And that is huge for our faith. Uh, death is a theological concept that is a part of our religion. It's a part of our faith. Yeah. Uh, sin brought death into the world. Mm -hmm. And Jesus Christ is eventually going to put death to death. Yes. That is Amen. what we believe. So death as a theological concept is actually a central idea. Mm -hmm. And so when you do look at some of these historical accounts of Halloween, um, and, and again, people will dispute these, yeah. right? Yeah. People dis will dispute these. Uh, but the, the church has celebrated uh, All Saints Day probably about 300 AD or so. Um and what this was was celebrating the victory we have in Christ. And right. before that day, the idea was that we were um, mocking death. 
because that's what it means to have victory in Christ. Ultimately, it is victory against sin, but it's also victory against death, not just personal death, but all death eventually. Where is thy victory? Grave, where is thy sting? Absolutely. So if we take that into account, like this makes sense theologically. Mm -hmm. This makes sense theologically that we would have some sort of of, um, celebration, some sort of mockery of death that does include some morbid imagery, mm-hmm. perhaps. And, and so that this is actually all part of our theology, whether or not we even want to admit this. Yeah, and, and let me just say, if you don't want to celebrate Halloween because it bothers you, then don't, and that's fine. Or, or, or any, of the other, um, any of the other holidays, you know, it's up to you. But I will point out that there's not many people who aren't calling Thursday, Thursday, or Sunday, Sunday. Sunday yeah. You know, it, it, it's not celebrating the Son of God, or at least it wasn't intention, intended to do so. It's celebrating the Sun God, uh, Sunday. But now, <laughs> it's the Lord's Day, we call it, and the Sun, we call it Sunday, you know. He's same thing for Thursday, Thor's Day, you know, worship Thor. You know, if you're yeah. the most hardened covenanter, still is calling it Thursday, yeah. right? So... <laughs> It, it doesn't have to be a, a Nordic tradition. <laughs> but but again, if if it bothers you and, you know, I respect that, you know, then don't yeah. don't celebrate it. Well, we would insist upon the right and duty of private judgment. And, and a lot of times we, well, when it's talked about, which is rarely, it seems like, but when it's talked about, it's usually with regard to things like baptism or maybe secondary, tertiary um, issues of theology. And and we agree with that. There, You know, you, you do have a right and duty of... of it's not the doctrine of the church. It's a doctrine of God's word and his law and, and us being Holy Spirit Christians who who need to be convinced from Scripture, not by the traditions of men. So we want you to, to do that. We want you to have that. Uh, you have the right, you have the responsibility to have a conviction and, and stand by that. But the other thing that I, I just pulled this up because I was thinking of it, 1 Corinthians 3, you know, Paul says, all things are yours. Right, the world, life, death, present or future, all are yours. Everything's yours. So, in a sense, I think what everything should be conformed to Christ. Yes, all things are yours in the sense of even death belongs to the Christian. Amen. Yeah, because Christ has conquered death. Amen. Like it's an enemy he's conquered, and um, and of course that's you know being worked out in history. Of course, uh, in it's the resurrection. Being yeah. So when we think about something like Halloween, I have to confess to you guys, I watched, <laughs> I watched a two-hour YouTube thing, uh, and, I, and I love YouTube now because you can put it on double speed, and then you're just like listening fastly. But it was a, it was something that um, was sent to to my wife and I, and um, so we watched it. And we wanted to try to keep an open mind, but he was going through all the, you know, the paganism of, of Nimrod and Ishtar and how all these things are rooted in paganism and <clears throat> symbols. Possibly. You know, the obelisk. <laughs> Very much so. Absolutely. I think a lot of things he, he got right. But the fundamental issue I had with that video was this concept of all things being ours. Yeah. Meaning this. It's, we don't live in a world that Satan governs you know, uh, uh, on his own that he has full authority to just kind of do whatever he wants. He doesn't own death. We, yeah, we live in a world where Christ has bought it all back. He's bought it all back. And now we have the ability to, to mock it, Mm -hmm. to parade in the streets. The fact that death has lost its sting, that there is no, 
um, there's no thing, there's nothing that's off limits in terms of redeeming um, what's out there in the world, so to speak. You know, we, we have to avoid that. Like we have to avoid Halloween because it's got pagan origins. Yeah, because well, but there is this this culture celebrating death out there in the culture, and it manifests itself mm-hmm. obviously in abortion and Planned Parenthood, and right. and I think that does sneak into abortion celebrate or sorry, the way that people celebrate Halloween in some yes. cases. So I think it some some warnings are good, right, about these kinds of things. Are we celebrating death or are we? celebrating the death of death I right think yeah. is always a question that's a great point i i've i've thought about this like what about the destruction of the image of god in like uh imagery so you can be watching the the walking dead or something or dressing up your kid like a zombie and it's really morbid and grotesque and a lot of gore yeah and like i i i have i'm i'm wrestling with this like i'm not sure what how i feel about this i'm uncomfortable with this because yeah. like the image of god is being destroyed but we're also more than our bodies and then there's so these these, these different concepts are coming or definitely not less than our bodies either though um yeah so there's yeah. these different concepts to think about um but one thing is very much clear is that the core concept the core concept is that death is no longer going to be our enemy it's going to be mm-hmm. defeated mm-hmm. and done away with and i think sometimes our uncomfortableness with death imagery is sometimes more cultural yeah. And we can see this throughout church history using skeletons and bones and skulls and all these different things that definitely symbolize, but also are anthropo- yeah, anthropologically <laughs> uh, death related. Yeah. And, and, and like we can see this through art, all these different things. And I think we're just uncomfortable with it. And I think it's because we fear death. And I think that's really a central thing in this is fear. People fear death. They fear the unknown. Uh, they fear what could happen if we use this imagery or if we uh, celebrate these days or we put up a tree in our house or we um, have a certain shape on a T-shirt or what we wear or what our haircuts are, all these different things, and they fear it. And I think they fear it is because they're actually buying into the pagan worldview. Mm-hmm. And that pagan worldview point. is going to be certain words or shapes or rituals will now manipulate and control reality. Mm-hmm. That is actually the pagan worldview. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is actually going to be the bad magic, the actual magic that is bad and Satanistic and actually of the devil. Yeah, that's one of the things that Susano had pointed out. I thought that was a remarkable observation with magic religion looking on the outside, not at the heart. So, you know, you, she used this analogy of the, uh, the two twins at the table wanting a glass of milk, and the one is the power religionist, so he just takes it upon himself to grab the milk and then pours, uh, I think she said, three liters. Uh, I don't know how many gallons that is, but uh, she, three liters into, you know, a small cup, spilling milk everywhere. So that's power religion says, you know, I'm not going to obey God's law because if I don't obey God's law, I might miss out something. So basically you're taking things into your own hands. But magic religion, she went on to point out, was the toddler who, look, I asked nicely. You didn't give me what I wanted. You know, sitting there patiently. I said that I said all the right words. Abracadabra. Entitlement attitude. Yeah. So it it says, I'm going to obey God's law because the toddler sat there quietly, said what she's supposed to say, but because she believes in magic, um, she believes that if if you say the right things, you're going to get the right blessing. 
Right. And what we do with that worldview is play fast and loose with predestination. We, we, we are um, playing sort of Russian roulette, if you will, with God's sovereignty. Whereas for us, the, the covenantal religion that is the Christian faith says, I'm going to obey God's law no matter the, co- no matter the cost. I'm going to do what's ethically right in this situation. And then I'm going to trust him for the consequences. Because he's the sovereign one. He's the one that's in control. So that's that's a very good yeah. observation with regard to how biblical thinking plays out. Because, you, you know... If you obey God from a sincere heart, eventually it will go well with you. Yes. But how we operate in the material world as it pertains to, oh, I've done this act, now I have to see this result now. Because I've done it. And that, that's entitlement right. It, yes. It's turning... It's wrong-headed. It, it turns... Even Christian rituals, like we, we, we can talk about, um, I don't know, like Harry Potter spells or whatever, or incantations or Wicca, all these different things where they do X, Y, and Z, and it's supposed to have some sort of response, mm-hmm. right? It's supposed mm-hmm. to have some sort of response within nature or within reality. And it's exactly right. It's like you do this material thing. You do this physical thing. You say the right words. You draw the right shape. You mix in some you know whatever some blood and i don't even know but like (laughs) exactly (laughs) and then then it's supposed to have some sort of response and faithfulness has nothing to do with it like the heart has nothing to do with it right it's just these actions but then we have the exact same sort of uh mentality in the church Whereas like if we go and do our rituals, if we go and do our sacraments if we go and do these things (laughs) then god owes us some sort of response right that's that is a huge huge issue when you talk about federal vision theology. Uh, Whoa, loaded term. Little, yeah, loaded <laughs> term, which is like nailing Jello to the wall because you have different definitions of sure. But the point and, being, and then, what you just yeah, said, yeah, exactly. It's this radical, almost sacerdotalism, uh, where if if you do X, Y, and Z, and you you do these rituals, and then you will have some sort of spiritual response um, outside of the ethical judicial. And that's the same thing. When we think about the Lord's Prayer, or excuse me, the sinner's prayer, uh, the Lord's Prayer is in the Bible. The sinner prayer is, sinner's prayer is not. <laughs> uh, you know, you said the right words, therefore, abracadabra, you know, I invited Jesus into my heart, and the, and the preacher says, right. you know, all right, you're saved now. You prayed that prayer. I'm also reminded yeah. of the Hail Marys that we see in front of the abortion mills. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's a that's a great example. The beads. So I think what we're trying to get at is that there actually is a view of magic. And that view of magic is hollow ritualism that is supposed to change reality outside of faithfulness. And we do see that in evil, wicked, magical practices, but we also see it in the church some. So when we're talking about Halloween, we need to make sure that as Christians, we're not we're not buying into the pagan worldview that certain shapes or certain objects or certain imagery is intrinsically magical or evil. That's actually buying into the pagan worldview and not the covenantal worldview. So we shouldn't be afraid of Christmas trees. We shouldn't be afraid of skeletons. We shouldn't be afraid of kids dressing up as Chewbacca. We shouldn't (laughs) be afraid of any of these things as if they're going to curse us somehow. And I don't want to, I don't want to be, you know, mocking or anything, but we all see this and it's almost a fear mongering. Uh, every single year, every single year I see memes shared around by faithful Christians, smart Christians, faithful Christians. And one of these memes that I always see is from a- Anton LaVey is this famous Satanist. Yeah. I might be saying his name wrong, but Anton LaVey, 
And uh, let me let me go ahead and bring it up real quick so I can read it. It's real short. Let's see. It says, I'm glad that Christian parents let their children worship the devil at least one night of the year. And this is the founder, the founder of the Church of Satan. So this is spread around by referring to Halloween. Yes, exactly. Referring to Halloween. And this is spread around by evangelicals. And it's it's, you know, obviously trying to influence people and about being fearful about celebrating Halloween. The problem is, and there's a lot of problems with this, but one of the problems is, is is Anton LaVey doesn't believe in the devil. The Church of Satan that he founded is a humanistic, materialistic Satanism. Mm -hmm. It's all about uh, being selfish and having your own autonomy and ruling yourself. They don't even believe in a spiritual realm. They're just using the symbols of Satan. So my warning is... Don't get your theology from a lying Satanist who doesn't even believe in the spiritual <laughs> realm. Exactly. Don't get your worldview from professing Satanists, period. You should get your worldview from the word of God, which yeah. does believe in a spiritual, because, but doesn't teach that drawing objects in a certain shape or saying magical words is going to automatically give you some sort of response. Right. That's it. What you're buying into with when you buy into that statement is that Satan owns a day of the year, like that you can't glorify God on that. Like if you celebrate this day, you know, or there's no Christian way of doing this, right? Know? And that is magic. Yeah, like believing that certain days are going to entail to use some sort of curse automatically right. is some sort of pagan magical yeah. idea. It goes. It just goes to show how far we have come in terms of the covenantal biblical religion based in God's law, based on God's ethics, to uh, sort of a compromised Christianity where we want to, uh, you know, um, we'll just give Satan one day. That sort of mindset. Mm-hmm. When really, what is Hall- what is Halloween today? You know, kids dress up like a Fortnite character or a um, their Boss favorite baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know a certain someone who did that once, <laughs> and and they go around and what do they do? They knock on the door and they say the magical word trick or treat, but mm-hmm. it's it's a meaningless thing anyway because no one's playing tricks, and they get candy for crying out loud. Like th- this isn't like you didn't have to you know, draw blood and sign the document uh, over to Satan in some sort of weird, you know, like, what are we talking about? We're talking about a way to go get candy from your neighbors. And I, and I respect people who, and I understand people who are like, oh, there's, it's just, there's a lot of evil going on. I don't want my kids having anything to do with it. I totally respect that. Yeah. I mean, that's totally fine. But I think these points are still important yeah, to remember. Because there there is a lot of garbage out there, though. Like, there is. Well, I don't want my kids being scared to death by some mm-hmm. freak with a freaky yeah. Right, yeah. I don't want my kids Zipper dressing face. up like demons, for yes. example. Yeah. I mean, there are things that I am personally very uncomfortable with, and my judgment is going to say, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Right. right. Good and so right. So yeah. I think there are some basic points to lay out. If you're against Halloween, God bless you. Go about your business, right? We do believe that Christianity does have a theology of death and a theology of death that should be mocked because Christ has defeated death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's specific Halloween traditions that I think we should all probably be uncomfortable with that would require a much longer podcast to get into the, <laughs> all the nuances. Like, is this costume okay or is this costume not okay? A lot of this has to be left up to judgment. But I will say personally for me, there are definitely kinds of costumes or sort of imagery or ways of celebrating Halloween that I wouldn't endorse. I think it is actually dangerous um, for various reasons. And um, like you were saying, Jason and Jordan, 
we don't want to belittle or mock our uh, fellow believers who think Halloween is wicked. Uh, in fact, um, and don't want to think one of the that. people in my life that I'm most close to, my mother, for example, mm-hmm. <laughs> like hates Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of funny. I joke with friends. Um, I read Harry Potter as a, pr- a pretty uh, young kid, and I had to take the dust cover like jacket off the book. And I mm-hmm. put another dust cover jacket, dust cover <laughs> jacket on it, and I had to basically smuggle uh, Harry Potter books when I was growing up. So I was a rebellious little punk doing that, you know, reading a different <laughs> book that I wasn't allowed to. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like, it's fine if you don't like it. Yeah. It's fine if you don't like it. What I'm what I'm trying to warn against is the fear mongering, but also the theology. Yeah. Because I think it could unwittingly affect other ways, other other uh, areas of life. And it, it does bother you when you go out in the neighborhood and people, you know, you know, you know, some of them, they're not Christians, many of them, and they are really celebrating death. Like they're all about death and they're just like getting all into it. The and they have no theology of yeah. Christ's victory over death. Like it is bothersome. Yeah. It's you almost know? a nihilism uh, yeah. as well. These people don't even believe in the afterlife oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And it, it is almost like a nihilistic celebration of death. It's yeah. very morbid. Well, one thing I will say too. Um, on that line before we wrap up we're getting close to the end here but um, when we think about uh, Susanna pointed this out and I had been thinking about this because not too long ago we were um, doing some activism and I read from this passage but Isaiah 1 there are other passages in scripture where God criticizes his covenant people he chastises them for doing uh, the rituals he told them to do and we have to ask the question, well, you know, is God in, inconsistent? I mean, you know, he wants us to pray, but now he's not going to hear our prayers. And and the issue is always the ethical judicial aspect of it. Are you referring right? to like take away from me the noise of your yes. celebration? Solemn, your solemn assemblies, yeah. your new moons, your festivals, um, that whole passage and Amos others. Five, yeah. yeah, Amos 5 is another example. But it's just this idea of um, you are no closer to Christ by rejecting Christmas, you know, uh, or or taking communion, if your heart is isn't in it, you know what I mean. Like the, those those external reli- religious practices that God told them to do, your your sacrifices I hate. Mm-hmm. Well, God, you 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 gave us this system for atonement. We're supposed to sacrifice, yeah. Yeah, we're supposed. I and mean, what's the issue? Their heart is is long gone. The ethics of their personal righteousness and holiness and covenantally, you know, as a as a as a people had gone so far, you know, off the radar. They're exploiting the stranger and the poor. Yeah. Why does God neighbor? hate it? He hates it because the, it means nothing in terms of their practical obedience. Um you know, Hosea 6, 6, I, right. I they, desire mercy. They didn't mercy. care about justice. Mm-hmm. They yeah. didn't care about justice. Yeah. So the point I'm making is, is you, you know, you can rattle on all day about Christmas or Halloween or whatever, you know, the pagan origins. And we, we don't even know if Jesus was really born that day anyway. And yada, yada, yada. And, <laughs> and maybe you're right. I, I, I mean, there's good arguments on both sides, I think, but um, that doesn't make you any closer to Christ by your rejection or embrace. If you are, disobedient right so you know cross and crown we gather weekly there's teaching sometimes we just gather for a uh, you know a meeting quarterly meeting and we're going to have another one of those coming up but and just kind of discuss and fellowship and strategize what are we working on what are we trying to do to advance the kingdom of christ Um, we take communion together we meet we uh eat together every sunday meals Um, but i repeat myself (laughs) yeah so we're, we're doing these things and the reality is, is like all of it's, you know, hogwash 
if we aren't pursuing Christ in his kingdom. And so the rituals, the communion, those types of things. Even the good rituals. Even the good ones. Like there are ethical requirements attached to it. Didn't Paul say something like, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you, yeah. except for except for Timothy or, or whoever. It was. And then he's like, I, maybe I did a couple, but yeah. except, <laughs> that, except that guy over there. <laughs> First Corinthians, I think it's in chapter one, right? First Corinthians one, but Be- because the concern was ethical, judicial. Yes. And yeah. If you're gonna fight over the superstars, yeah. And the, the symbol points to something: a reality, a new heart, a regeneration, a yeah. spirit-filled conduct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Yep. So I've got a, I've got an Athanasius quote I like to. Oh yeah. Before you take us out, were you gonna take mm-hmm. us out? Well. Uh, you want more thing? Go ahead. If you well, want. I was just going to say like it. one highlight from Susanna that she made, and oh, I think it was yeah. just brilliant. And then you can read your, your quote. Um, she makes the point that there's the eth- ethical judicial, that's covenantal. Those are just words we use to, to try to mean what we say, what we're saying. Um, taking a posture, um, you know, having a certain object in your house or, uh, 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 she calls it a color coloring of in a certain pattern, you know, these like, trinkets sort of the uh the old school you know hey i got a sliver of jesus's cross you know the, the relics thing. relics that's the word um that doesn't turn a holy spirit filled believer into a pagan worshiper right just those just external possessing things. them you mean yeah, yeah yeah if you have like an icon a Christian, or a relic yeah yeah uh, a christmas tree or or that doesn't like make you automatically an a pagan object, worshiper yeah. Any more, and this is the point she drove home, I thought was brilliant, that doesn't make you into a pagan worshiper any more than a rote um, uh, repetition of the sinner's prayer turns a sinner into a believer. That's because Because the... It's not the words. It's that's the magic religion. That's mm-hmm. the abracadabra. You know, open the open sesame. Right. Same like, could be said about having a coloring book with images of Jesus in it. That's another episode. <laughs> that's another episode. <laughs> the heart matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's ethics. It's God's judgment. Um, his law and the objectivity of it. Right. That takes supremacy. Yeah. The uh, in the the section in in the law where they're talking about uh, idols. They're talking about you You can't make any image, not just of God, but of anything, whether it be creeping things, yeah. uh, any kind of uh, thing on uh, of the moon or the stars. I can't remember the exact, but I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. But the idea is that you can't worship these things. It's not necessarily just about the fact that you've got a model T-Rex. Your kid, your kid has a model T-Rex. Yeah, that's that's an animal that used to exist. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you can't just make that that model. So, yeah. So what is what is Athanasius? I'm really curious because you're going way back in church history. Oh yeah, history. my boy, way way back. <laughs> Athanasius. What does he have to say? Well, this brother brought the fire, and he was is talking. It just the creed. Again, no, no. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, this brother was talking about the victory over death mm. that Christ had on the cross, and just listen to this. So, Athanasius, all the disciples of Christ despise death. They take the offensive against it, and instead of fearing it, by the sign of the cross and by faith in Christ, trample on it as on something dead. Before the divine sojourn of the Savior, even the holiest of men were afraid of death and mourned the dead as those who perish. But now the Savior has raised his body. Death is no longer terrible. But all those who believe in Christ tread it underfoot as nothing and prefer to die rather than to deny their faith in Christ, knowing full well that when they die, they do not perish, but live indeed and become incorruptible through the resurrection. 
But that devil who of old wickedly exulted in death, now that the pains of death are loosed, he alone is it who remains truly dead. Death has become like a tyrant who has been completely conquered by the legitimate monarch, bound hand and foot, the passers-by sneer at him, hitting him and abusing him, no longer afraid of his cruelty and rage because of the king who has conquered him. So has death been conquered and branded for what it is by the Savior on the cross. It is bound hand and foot. All who are in Christ trample it as they pass and as they witness to him deride it, scoffing and saying, O death, where is thy victory? O grave, where is thy sting? Oh, man. Well... <laughs> Athanasius was woke, man. Like <laughs> he agreed, he agreed with me. I mean, I agreed with you, him. I think you, yeah, yeah. Okay. you know, the whole time thing. That was really good because I think that's that's the point we were trying to make earlier. Um, Christ is King. <laughs> He's footstooling all of his enemies. Death is an enemy, and it's going to be footstooled. And one day we will see resurrection. Sorry, death, you ain't got the power no more. Yep, awesome stuff. Great quote. Well, gentlemen, I think that's it for us for this episode. Number 11, we will come back for one more for season two. The final episode of season the two. The final one. And uh, yeah, then we're going to take a break and then we'll come back for season three, Lord willing, whenever that happens. But uh, listeners, thank you for joining us. Thank you for thank you. for uh, tuning in and, and also for sharing the episodes and getting getting this stuff out there. We really, really, really appreciate that. Um, and want to, of course, invite you to, to continue following us on Cross and Crown Radio on the Facebook page. And check out Lamb's Reign. Check out the FCRC. A lot of stuff happening. We are trying to labor for Christ's kingdom. So thank you for being a part of it. That's it for us. We'll see you next time. Grace and peace. Peace.